Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. It's Wednesday. Thanksgiving's just around the corner. We are finishing up the fourth quarter here. We've got a great lineup today talking about imports, talking about forecasts, where things are headed. Before we get to all that, though, uh, we've got Tony back with us here off on the side. Tony, yeah. glad to have you back. And returning guest, two shows in a row, Tanner DeHart. How you doing, Tanner? Good, good. Doing pretty well. Thanks for uh, actually having me back on. Well, last week was a lot of fun. Awesome. That's good. And yeah. you get uh, to fill in for me, so it's, always, right. it's definitely a fun time. Uh, yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, a lot better than I felt this time last week. So that's good. That's, glad to have you here. Yeah, are you, Luke? I am glad to have you. In fact, last week, our guest, uh, Todd, from uh, the director of transportation of our Covetus, was disappointed because I had hyped you up saying, Tony's our, our economist guy. And he was like, oh, I love talking about the economy, but you weren't here, so we didn't get to talk about it. I know. Even though you get everything from me. but um, I know. You're, yeah. you're the brains of this operation, yeah. for if sure. If anybody here listening actually knows me, they all know that's not the case. But... You know, I'll take it for now. Um, but no, folks, we, we got we got a lot of things uh, to talk about today. A lot of good things to talk about. A lot of things have been changing in the industry. Um, we've, we're starting to see, though, what's interesting is we've we've been talking about the freight industry this whole year. Today's been, a, this year has been a downturn year. Mm-hmm. And the downturn has happened in different, uh, different levels of, 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 um, of velocity, right? Spot market got hit really early, right? You know, eventually the contract market from a demand perspective starting to get hit. Started to see the ocean market get hit. Air is kind of holding on, but also starting to dwindle. Intermodal, same thing. So it, it's happening in different ways, but we're alongside that, we're starting to see this with a lot of the publicly traded companies, both on the shipper retail side, as well as transportation companies. They're starting to see the impact of that at different cadences. What's Tony? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one to you. What's been the most? I don't want to say surprising, but what's what's been the kind of the biggest eye openers as you've seen a lot of these corporate earning reports over the last uh, two quarters? Uh, I mean, really, well, one in the second quarter it was more the inventory levels and things like that. I mean, I think it came as a I don't want to say surprise because if you paid attention to what was going on last year on the ocean, you saw a bunch of orders coming in where. These shippers were just taking in a bunch of shipments, inventory, and then you kind of realize that the consumer is going to hit the brakes at some point. You've had stimulus kind of expire at the back half or really the beginning of this year. Then, I mean, you look, so it was interesting. I was looking at Bank of America's credit card spending data from October last week. And if you look, California sent out a one-time stimulus check in October. And if you look at spending breakdowns, spending was way up in California. In the rest of the country, it wasn't near as up. So, I mean, I think that was a boost that everybody thought, hey, consumers going to keep spending, right? And now they really hit the brakes. And you see it with Target, I mean, today, right? In their earnings release, they're talking about, hey, we've really seen a deceleration in spending in October. Really hit the first few weeks. And then the back half of the month and into November has really slowed down. I think we're going to continue to see that. I mean, there was a lot of optimism yeah. coming into the beginning of the year, right? Yep. They were ordering warehousing utilization was up, right? They th- they thought it was going to continue. They yep. thought the boom in the market was continue. Consumers were, you know, still putting money on credit cards. We're still receiving stimulus. I don't think they knew how far it was going to go. Um, but yeah, like Tony said, they've definitely pumped the brake now, and, and the consumers feeling it for sure. Yeah. One one thing that that's interesting. We're going to pull this up on the on the chart here in just a minute, but we've. 
we were signaling, I guess it was back in early June, that imports were really going to fall off a cliff, right? Um, we can talk about how we define falling off a cliff, but I mean, regardless, they, they've seen a drastic pullback in demand. Mm-hmm. In fact, customs import shipments are now back below 2019 highs. Jeez. And that's <laughs> and that represents about a 23% reduction from where they were in August, the August peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and per the bookings data that we track, they still have another 17% to fall. Let's go ahead and pull this up so you can see what we're talking about here. For those that are familiar and have watched the show before, you know that the bookings data that's coming here, this chart, is um, something that we track pretty heavily. The bookings data is the green line there. Just look at the green line. See those fancy arrows I drew on the screen there? Doesn't that look great? Um, so the green line there represents um, the import booking shipments, which pretty much peaked in April of 22. I think there was a slight peak uh, slightly prior to that, but for the most part, that's the general peak before the decline. Um, so that's in April of, of this year, uh, we saw that peak. Now those are bookings, meaning orders that are being submitted or shipments that are being submitted, confirmed to the ocean carriers to eventually ship to the United States. And then four months later, the blue line in August is that same peak for customs shipments, meaning it actually clears and comes through and is on U.S. soil finally. So you're talking four months later. Um, and we, we waited until early June to call the trend that it was coming down. Um, but uh, And then finally now it took till about the month of really this month or last month to really see the full effect that it, it's dropping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're and you're seeing it show up at the ports themselves, right? With right. their their numbers that they're starting to report, you saw a decline. Really, LA, Long Beach. Really, at first to kind of feel it, you kind mm-hmm. of look at October numbers it on the East Coast, not down near as significantly as the West Coast. Right. But overall, you are seeing that slowdown. But I mean, if you look, you said it right there. If you look at our bookings, really peaked in April. Shipment or imports peaked in August, which mm-hmm. is about right when you start to think about hey, lead times for these bookings are, what, 10 to 14 days before they actually leave the port. Then you've got the uh, transit time. Then they have to clear customs. So what is that, four months? It's not really a surprise when you think about kind of how that works out time-wise from the time they leave overseas to the time they clear the ports here. Tanner, you're on the customer success side here. Can you, is there any, like, are these conversations that you're having with customers, I guess, Maybe a better question is, what is that conversation? Yeah, the conversation is around how they're planning their forecast and where the warehouse utilization is and kind of what are they looking at as we move into peak season in Q1. And one real big conversation that's come up, especially with some of our customers now recently, um, is that they're not sure what Q4 looks like, right? Right. Um, They've put their orders in, who knows, like Tony said, maybe three, four months ago when they're just now receiving them. And they don't know if they're going to sell out. They don't know if they're going to have to discount them. They're not really sure what that looks like to there. Um, so they're really having conversations with us and looking at this data that we're talking about right now to understand kind of what that forecast is and what our opinion is on mm-hmm. the movement of the marketplace. Um, and especially with BOL starting to drop off at the ports, I, I think you're definitely starting to see a slowdown, uh, and especially how fast they can unload these ships, how fast customers are going to start getting their new orders. Um, so it's interesting to see, like you said, there's about a 19% difference between where we might drop down even below that. So um, we're going to have to keep an eye on this and, and see where it goes over the next few months. Yeah, I am. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think 
as we as we finish up Q4 here, I'm not expecting a ton of moves for the re- for really the rest of November and mm-hmm. December. But my eyes are on Q1 of 2023. Yeah, and my if we start looking at Q1, I mean, if Q4 is not good, Q1 likely will be even worse. Yeah, and Q1 I think is typically softer off of Q4. Yeah, I mean, you're coming off of a peak, and this year's peak clearly isn't very peaky. Uh, I mean, just look at the ocean, and that kind of leads to what's going to happen here domestically. And it there was, I mean, there was a peak, if that's what you want to call it. But if you look at, imp, well, import levels here, in August, we're actually below what they were in December of last year. So, I mean, it's really, and they're basically the same as what they were in March. So, I mean, it's not really peaky. It's, yeah, they're a bump and the highest level we probably saw all year, but I wouldn't call it necessarily peak, especially when you look back compared to uh, last year. Yeah, I mean, all all roads really, really lead from ocean, right? I mean, truckload, <laughs> truckload volume is heavily influenced by what happens on the ocean side. Intermodal volumes heavily influenced by what happens on the ocean side. I, I mean, it, it all, all trickles down. Um, to, to flip over here, let's go to the truckload side here in just a minute. I mean, you know, we know that we know the job is coming in per the bookings data. I think we might expect further BOLs to be to be dropping on the import side. Um, and, and that will that that might I didn't actually I didn't actually put this out I tweeted this out the other day though in that um, the the Freightus Baltics index basically ocean spot rates from China to the U.S. dipped <laughs> below two thousand dollars briefly yesterday, which is the first time they've been that low since uh, twenty nineteen, and that's in fact it's twenty percent lower than the highs in twenty eighteen. Yeah, for for those rates, um, they they bumped up again slightly more today, but. I mean, I think it's it's showing us where that the bottom's not in. Yeah, I mean, if you think a lot of freight moves contract, but spot kind of yes. always shows what the actual market is because the contract market is really slow to adjust. Very I slow. mean, it's slow both domestically and internationally. And the spot market, obviously, it's spot time, basically time up, right? So it, it's showing what's actually going on in the market. So, I mean, when you start to see those spot rate declines, Everybody's trying to say, oh, well, it's because contract rates are so high. It's like, well, if contract rates were so high, well, they spot rates wouldn't really move just because of that. They're moving because of underlying reasons, whether that's oversupply or less demand, which mm-hmm. in this case is probably an instance of both, uh, especially domestically. I mean, you just look at the truckload market. We've added so much capacity. On the ocean side, it's a little slower to react to add that much capacity. So it tells me that demand there is probably even less than that's what the big driver on the ocean is. But here, domestic or on the truckload side specifically, it's it's a combination of both. Yeah, it's the same concept with truckload, right? Yep. So the spot market's going to lead contracted rates. Um, we've seen it. We're actually about to talk about it here in the next chart. Um, but it's the same thing domestically as happened on the international side for sure. Yep. Yeah, let, let's go ahead. While we're on this topic, let, let's pull up the, uh, uh, the 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 NTI forecast. I think this is a nice one here. We've been talking about forecast, where are things going, and you know we've we've done forecasting before inside of Sonar, but um, we we've actually we we stopped it a while back because once COVID started, because COVID, I don't care who you are, COVID broke pretty much all forecasting models. Um, so what we ended up having to do was basically change the forecast to incorporate a lot of alternative data beyond just trucking data, right? So we, we look at ocean data, we look at macro indices, we, we put it all together, and then also pull in the trucking data alongside it. And, and it, it's gotten 
immensely more accurate. We're only forecasting out about 28 days, but we're going 28 days out and it actually currently has about an 85% accuracy rate, uh, you know, 28 days out. I mean, you can see it right there. So for reference, for folks looking at the chart, that yellow line is the, the NTI, the National Truckload Index, which is spot rates, including fuel. It's the all-in rate. That is the forecast. The blue line is the actual. So, I mean, you can see that we didn't change the forecast. You can see how the forecast actually moved as it's been forecast. And in fact, over time there, you can see those two lines are getting a little closer together. I mean, Tanner, you talked to a lot of our customers here. I know this is a newer index, so they still might be kind of figuring it out. But I guess, have you had a chance to talk to any and, and how they've you know, received this index so far? Yeah, this is huge for our customers. This is something they've been asking for for really a long time, right? To be able to take actual paid spot rates and then implement a forecast into that. Um, usually the first question from a customer that comes up is like, hey, what are you guys using to forecast this, mm -hmm. right? And it's all the same data that we talk about every day, mm -hmm. right? Tender data, forecasting, uh, using the outbound rejections, looking at capacity. And um, from a customer standpoint, they've really appreciated this. And like you mentioned, even at a 28-day forecast at an 85% accuracy, um, if you notice in October and, well, September and October, we called both directional changes in the marketplace yeah. correctly, 28 days ahead of time. Um, so since this is a rolling, right, it updates every single day with 28 days out, it's interesting to see that, yeah, it might have been off a few cents here or there, um, but the two directional changes, we were spot on. The, kind of, imagine if you could see 28 days in advance of what a stock price was going to do. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think we wouldn't be sitting here, boys. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think that's the big one, right? It, it, it's not so much where the actual number falls. I think it's that direction that's so important, right? Yep. And it's because everybody ends up paying a different rate. So, I mean, it's yeah. really hard to price things off, especially a national average. But if you can take it and be like, Hey, rates are going to keep moving down. Well, you can, you can start to plan and adjust accordingly. And I mean, you could be surprised either way, but it gives you at least something to be like at the time when you're making a decision. Hey, we're doing it because this is going to go down or it's going to go up. So I think it does give that actionable kind of insight, even though you may not be pricing directly off of it. What allows you to be proactive. Yep. And I met with some customers yesterday and that's what they're gonna yeah. start doing. They're mm -hmm. gonna start using these directional changes to get aggressive. Yep. And if they can see the NTI and freight waves and sonar start coming down, that allows them to see what's coming. And yep. so they're putting that ahead and getting with their customers and saying, hey, we're using market intelligence with inside of Sonar that we can see and we know the market's about to drop. So you know what? We're going to go ahead and drop our prices. Yep. Um, and especially right now when it's all about service, right? Everybody yeah. has a rate, right? Yeah. Everybody can provide a rate, but it's really about the service you're providing and using using Sonar data to be able to help that and be proactive with your customers. That's a huge value add. Yeah, I mean, especially when you start looking at this thing and as it moves into December, I mean, it, it affects, big drop. it's dropping, big drop. a big drop coming. And I think that's, to, it, to see that, you, I mean, yeah. what's n your natural instinct in this, in the freight market during December is, hey, rates aren't going to drop that much. Well, guess what? It, this is showing based on everything from Tinder data, Ocean, I mean, track rates. This is what's showing, hey, this thing's not necessarily going to get better yeah. in the next month. It's showing a teeny tiny little bump going into Thanksgiving, and that's it. But, I mean, it makes sense, right? We look at the bump we saw or lack thereof going into Labor Day and even 4th of July. Yeah. Right? I mean, on that chart, it's, it's just not there. It's just not there. This, this actually, I mean, yeah, you can see it right there on the chart, right? Follow the yellow. Remember, the yellow line is the forecast. The blue line is the actual. There was... It barely forecasted a bump for July 4th. 
Now look at the blue line. There was barely a bump. It makes sense, right? Every <coughs> and every holiday since then, the bump has gotten even lower, mm-hmm. right? Are Thanksgiving and Christmas an exception? We're going to find out. But, I mean, why should they be right now in this environment, right? And I've talked to, this can seem traumatic for asset-based carriers, yeah. right? It sounds like bad news. It sounds horrible. But I've actually talked to some of our carrier clients and they're using this as an opportunity, right? They've got some customers where they're able to maybe get onto an RFP, get onto a mini bid for peak season Mm -hmm. and show your service, right? You might not have 3,000 trucks, but if you can provide as a small carrier a high level of service and be able to get on someone's routing guide for maybe, you know, a little bit above that spot market, Mm -hmm. at least you're creating an opportunity with relationship. Yeah, I mean, that's where it it can kind of set that relationship building apart. And, And that's where... We, we talked about it at F3, and that seemed to be the theme was in a declining market, relationships across the entire supply chain are so valuable yes. because everybody's, every, everybody knows what's going on and everybody's fighting for the same freight. And there has to be a way to kind of dis, be distinct or like distinguish yourself mm-hmm. from the crowd. And if you can provide that service, it's going to result in you being awarded volume. It's going to, when the market goes up, you're going to be kind of that first one they call when capacity tightens up. And I mean, ultimately, if you provide it, when the market does turn back up, you're going to be able to be like, hey, we need to increase this rate, right? So it it, it works both ways. So I think taking advantage, so it sounds bad to say, take advantage of a down market as a chance to continue to grow. Because like this is grow, whether that's volumes or relationships that maybe aren't as tangible, right? You can't put maybe a dollar figure on it per se, but it's, it at least provides an opportunity. What's the old, what's the old saying, which is uh, uh, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is it right here. And this is a perfect opportunity to have, I think. I think what this gives you is the ability to have a very transparent conversation with your customer. Whether you're the shipper or whether you're the carrier or broker. It yep. do, really doesn't matter where you are. It yeah. allows for a very transparent conversation. If I'm a shipper, right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to look at this and be like, okay, market's going down. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also like, I know eventually the market's going to tighten up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to kick myself in the, in the shin either. But at the same time, I also have a responsibility, right? Like if I'm Target, Target CFO came out. CFO from the top saying, we are going to cut $3 billion over the next three years. That has to come from probably all departments. So they have a a responsibility, but there can be a a reasonable conversation that can happen on, hey, what do you actually need to make money? I need to make cuts. We see the market softening. I don't want you to go out of business. I don't want to lose your capacity. Let's just, let's be reasonable here. Let's have a conversation. This at least allows us to have a single source of truth. And on the same thing, when things go back up, again, it's the same conversation. Care can come in and be like, hey, the market's tired. We're justifying higher rates. Right. I know you have to save cost as well, but you know, we want to keep serving you. It provides that why. Yes. Like the that's everybody wants to know why. Why are you doing this? I mean, yes. that's I, I see it from my two year old niece. She asks why all the time. Yes. Guess what? This what do you tell her by the way? Half the time I just make something up on the spot yeah. because you know, yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. I'm not her parent, yeah. so because I don't have the to worry about molecules it. are moving like this, and yeah, yeah. And she walks so, away. But, but I mean, even from that age, always, it's kind of you're in, you're trying to figure out what's going on, and you you want to have a reason why. And yeah. I mean, this gives you a reason why. 
Yeah. So let's let's flip over here to, to we've got one more chart we're going to show you. Tanner, I want I want to hear your thoughts here in a minute. This is this is a spread chart. So I don't actually think we've shown this chart on uh, with Sonar before. This might be a first. This might be a first. We've seen we've looked at the data many times that creates this chart, yep. but I don't think we've actually looked at it in this format before. So um so this is the, the spread between spot line haul and contract line haul rates. Um, when, it's, when the rate there is negative that you see, that means that spot rates are below contract. If the rate was positive, which we have seen at times, uh, like you actually see in the first part of the year, that means that uh, spot rates are above contract rates. Right now, if you can't see that number, we are at negative 94 cents on the mile. I should have zoomed out this chart a little more, but this is the first time in five years since we've had this index, almost five years, that it's ever been anywhere near that level. For reference, it averaged 42 cents a mile spread in 2019. 2019 was not a great year for trucking. Mm-hmm. We were at 92 cents. Um, <clears throat> that's uh, that's going to signal a lot of things. T- Tanner, what do you... If you look at this, I guess how, how can a customer, um, how, how can a customer leverage this information? Like, what do they what do they do with this when they see a spread like this? Yeah, it's about being proactive, transparency, and communication, right? Yeah. So it depends on, of course, if you're a carrier broker or a shipper. But from a, a broker standpoint, this is about when understanding when you need to chase volume versus maybe chasing margin. Mm. Um, one thing you can see back is, is I think February 14th is when we were kind of like break even, right? So contracted yeah. rates and spot rates were at the exact same line hauls. As that starts to decrease, that means that you're you're losing a lot more leverage from broker standpoint. So you need to start getting a little bit more aggressive, start chasing some volume, right? As that kind of market's coming down and communicate that with your customers. And so when you have a 90 cent difference between contracted and spot rates, you don't have a lot of leverage at all. Um, especially when spot rates, we're talking, you know, we, we showed this about a $1.70 line haul, right? So you can get Everybody can get rates for pretty treat. Um, but again, it's really about service and being able to stay ahead of that proactiveness. And one thing that I'm really watching after and I communicate with my customer all the time is this is going to flip. Yep. Eventually, this is going to churn. Yep. Is it Q1? Is it Q2? Is it Q3? When? And this is going to be my go-to chart for watching that flip. Yeah, I mean, we we did a survey. Oh, it was back in May, right? When this thing kind of hit that right around the 80 cent, 90 cent range. And it's, you always think contract or spot leads contract and it's typically three to six months. And how far do they have to be? Well, it's like 30 to 60 cents below, right? Or, I mean, it really was like 30% or so below. Well, we've been there for six months now. We've been at 90, around 90 cents. So it's like, this time it feels almost a little different. It's almost like shippers were hesitant to drop their rates in fear of, capacity, just getting the rug pulled out from underneath them mm-hmm. like they did when COVID hit. And so I think it was a little bit of that, but I think now that they've seen it's kind of set in that in Q1, it's going to be an area where they're going to be more aggressive to drop those contracted prices as they go through RFPs right now. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it's that they saw it or that their phones just started blowing up, yep. right? Um, that's kind of the shipper's first signal is when your phone starts ringing off the hook and it's every everybody in their mom's broker saying, hey, we want some of your freight. Yep. That's kind of their first indication of saying, okay, hey, let's maybe rebid this thing or, you yep. know, hey, well, what is your rate? They start getting curious, right? Yep. And so that fear yeah. from the last year and a half kind of goes out the door mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, opportunity to, you know, lower our rates and, and yep. lower our budget, right? So, mm-hmm. um I've I've heard especially a lot from our shipper clients that their phones are ringing off the hook now yep. and and they're yep. sending out even smaller mini bids right the the normal RFP cycle is a year to maybe six months I've heard some mini bids are out now for three weeks yep a yep. month that's yeah I was gonna say we've heard I've heard the same thing yeah so we're we're getting closer towards the end of time but Tanner I want to I want to highlight something you said that I think is very important here this goes back to our earlier conversation around transparency right this allows for that conversation to happen. Spreads like this, if you're the shipper, you can come in and say like, hey, we need lower rates. However, I'm going to reward you with a lot more volume, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, it's allowed to say like, I need something in return, but we can trade it. Same thing from a broker's perspective. They can come in and be like, listen, you're not going to have these massive margin loads right now. But I see this. You give me the volume, I'll get you the rate. Yeah. Same thing from a carrier side. So, I mean, this is, I mean, I, I know you said that. I just wanted to highlight that. I mean, that is a massive conversation. Th- this is a strategy. This yeah. is a strategy signal right here. Do we go for the higher margin or and guarantee capacity, or do we go for the low volume, low margin, or actually high, high volume, low margin? So, yeah. big time. By the way, we're, we're almost at the end of time here. We will have a show next week. Next week is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So tune in. We're going to talk about what's going to happen the rest of the year. And we'll see you next Wednesday, live, 3.30 p.m. Have a fantastic day.